You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Now, before we get into this episode, I just wanted to share with you a gift from our sponsors, Organifi. And if you head over to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, and type in the code SUCCESS, whenever you purchase an order, you get a 20% discount on any of their products. You know, I've been using the green juice from Organifi for a couple weeks now, and I can absolutely say this one here is a game changer. This is a superfood powder that saves me the time from having to mix five or six uh, different containers of superfood. It's just all there in the packet for me, and I take it every single day, and I feel absolutely amazing. I have that mental clarity I feel a hell of a lot healthier and I get this burst of energy that can only come from a natural substance. And so I speak highly of Organifi and its benefits and I know that there are a number of people out there right now that would love to operate at optimal levels. So if you're looking for something that is not only nutritious but also delicious, then jump on to Organifi. Head over to Organifi.com. Use a discount code. They've got a number of awesome products right there. I also take the probiotics and the turmeric as well. And I just feel so on point with this awesome line of products. So make sure you head over there. Thank you for checking out this sponsor ad. Let's get into this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown, and I'm here today with Tony Blauer, who is a mindset and self-defense coach for over three decades now. Right, he's really into the mastery. Uh, He's an exciting dude to talk to. We're having a conversation just before this and I'm really excited for him to share his stories, his lessons, his advice with you. Uh, Tony believes that neurophysiology and brain-based learning is the next frontier in human performance. And he teaches people how the brain learns and stores strategies for movement and decision-making in his courses and you know when he works with incredible people like the military and the police force and a number of other hard high profile uh careers and industries so tony is an absolute legend in the space that he's in tony thank you so much for joining the addicted to success podcast hey joel how you doing man i'm excited to uh, be on the show yeah me too mate me too love your shirt by the way for the listeners that, that, are, that are on the podcast you can't see it but it says uh, F fear, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Am I not allowed to swear on the show? Should I just say, are we going to beat me? If it, if it happens to slip out, it's like, I mean, you know, a little bit of Aussie might slip out of you now and then. <laughs> I, I, I dig it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, Tony, thanks so much for jumping on, mate. Uh, I, all of this excites me, to be honest. The, the mindset, the self-defense. I just came from a workshop and... I think that one of the things that really was a game changer for me in one of these workshops that I was in was that it was an experiential uh, uh, moment where uh, I was put under a high pressure situation. And, you know, just like it's so easy to say things like, oh, if I have to stand up on stage, yeah, I could probably do that. But when it comes to getting up on stage or when it comes to uh, standing in front of your your team or your your, your uh 
peers and announcing why you haven't hit your sales targets or whatever it is when you're in the ring boxing it, it becomes a lot more challenging when you're in it and you're really feeling it so what is your experience being uh, working with people that are under these high pressure situations what what do you feel really comes up for people and how can they really get into a place of uh, where they can say f fear yeah, that, I mean, it's interesting because it's, you know, it's funny because I made a joke uh, many years ago where, you know, you've got, uh, let's say, powerful infomercials with, you know, leaders in performance psychology and mindset and they're interviewing uh, like people who you and I would go, that guy's made it. So whether it was, you know, some tennis champion or some rock star and that person's giving an endorsement going, hey, uh, you know, this guy really helped me and you're going, how could he help you? You were already a billionaire and you know, own ten businesses. What do you mean he help you? And and so the the weird dichotomy there is is these people have figured out how to manage their fear, and and a lot of it at the highest level. When you've got somebody who's already an achiever, who's already type A personality that already gets stuff. What we I think what we forget when we watch people's Facebook and Instagram life as opposed to their their real life. And I wrote an article about this on on uh, Medium. I'll send you a link to. I think the title of it was "You're Not Your Best Selfie," and and you know you see people like taking like 18 oh, pictures of going, "Okay, this is this is me today." And going, "No, you did 18 takes. No, you didn't. Uh, that is not you." <laughs> and it's and it's to remind people that um, that we need to be authentic. We need to be real. And a story that I tell people, and I'll come back to, uh, uh, you know, I love sharing stories to make the point. When I was, I grew up in Canada. And in Canada, you're either a skier or a skater, and I grew up on skis. And by the time I was 13, 14 years old, I was considered one of the best skiers in Canada. And there were many people who thought maybe I was going to be, uh, uh, you know, on the Canadian ski team and representing Canada in the Olympics. And uh, the, 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 the real heavy point of the story is everyone thought I was really, really good except for me. I was so worried about failing. I was so worried about letting down my family. I was so worried about, you know, all the people that were going, you're the best, you're the best. And nobody back then could explain to me why, if I'm so good, why does my physiology, why do I have butterflies in my stomach? Why is it freezing outside I'm on the top of a ski hill? How could I possibly be sweating, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody understood the psychodynamics of, we talk about physiology, physics, and psychology, which are the cornerstones of, of our, our process. And I share the story in all our seminars, and I say, you know, here I am, this is a true story, I'm at the top of the ski hill, I'm above the tree line, the wind is howling, it's like freezing cold, I've, I've pissed like five times, I want to projectile vomit, I'm so nervous, it's an important race. My coach looks over at me, and he says, how do you feel, kid? And I look at him, and I go, great coach, like what, like, right, that's what you say, right? How many times have you come into a room where you know, a business partner or friend or whatever, you can see their body language, that they're distressed, and you go, hey, what's up, everything okay? And they're like, yeah, yeah, why, yeah, why, you know, and because people are either cognitive dissonance, they're in denial, or they don't want to talk about it because they, they haven't been able to articulate it yet, or they just don't get it. So here I turned to my coach, I said, yeah, I'm great. So, you know, he's, he says to me, good, he's rubbing my knees, keeping me warm. Five minutes later, I take off, just before he does that, he says, remember the ice around the center part there? I go, yeah, I got it, coach. Two about two gates from the finish line, I catch a tip, I wipe out so hard that I actually slide through the finish line. You know, obviously, uh, uh, I, you know, I get uh, a DNF, did not finish, disqualified because I missed a gate, wiped out. What's my point in the story is this. Um, I lied to myself, I lied to my coach, and 
and I and the connection I want is this: is had my coach instead of five minutes before I was about to take off, pulled me aside fifteen minutes early, put his arm around me like a mentor, and said, "Hey, kid, how do you feel?" I'd have said the same thing. I'd have lied to him and said, "I feel great, coach." And if he had said, "Hey, have you noticed that in practice you kill it, you're crushing shit in practice, but every time you compete you wipe out, that you've got some sort of sabotage program running that prevents you from getting to that next level?" I'd have probably looked at him, Joel, and went, "I don't know what you're talking about, coach." Right? You know, like you know, <laughs> yeah. like choking up. And if he had said, and I know skiing's not a big thing in Australia, but you know, the, the a beginner ski is called a snowplow. I don't know if you know that, like a snowplow, yeah. right? So he says. He says, what if he had said to me, I don't want you to try and win today. I want you to try and finish. I want to give you a goal that I know that you could achieve because nothing breeds success like success itself. That's yeah. the endorphin rush. And he said, don't try to win the race today. Just try to finish the race today, snowplow. And, and I, you know, I look at people and I go, had he had that talk to me, maybe I'd be a famous skier instead of self-defense you know, consultant or you know, combatist consultant, and I'd be trying to you know, talk about skis and wax and boots right now. My point being is that if we don't have uh, some event in life or a person in life that reminds us that authenticity and self-awareness is everything, that if we can't look at our unconscious bias or our internal fear, which is why the shirt and our big play right now is to get people to know fear, that fear throttles everything we do in our life. It can inspire, it can act as a catalyst, but for most people it's a governor. It actually, it actually throttles stuff because who you talk to, who you marry, how much money you make, where you live, how much weight you live, whether you defend yourself or not, are all throttled by your relationship to fear. And so if we come back to your question of what do I do with people who I try to find out what their filter is because I'll be looking at I remember sitting across from uh, Maurice Smith uh, who is a K1 world champion kickboxer he also won the United the ultimate fighting championship and he was fighting um, he was getting ready to fight he had just lost a fight in Japan he was fighting a flu and it was his first televised fight uh, uh, in America on NBC so this is before the UFC and stuff I'm sitting there uh, in his um, the, the commissioner of the, of the World uh, Kickboxing Association sees me and he goes, uh, I need you to go talk to Maurice Smith. You're like the Anthony Robbins of self-defense. So I said, okay, I'll take that as a compliment, cool. He goes, go talk to him. He can't lose this fight because this is our first televised event. If he loses it on TV, I mean, that could ruin his career. So he's upstairs, totally dejected, totally demoralized, sitting on his bed, I come in there and for an hour, he won't even make eye contact with me. It's almost like his body language is like, you know, like, what do you want? How much longer are you going like to be shut here? Shut down. Yeah. 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 One word answers. How you feeling? Good. Yeah. So you're ready for the fight as ready as it can be, you know, fighting the flu. And so I hope it goes well. And I'm like, shit, you know, and I'm doing this as, uh, like a favor for this guy, Dale Floyd. So, um, and then I start thinking, what's the process? Because if I said to you, in a different scenario, I said, Joel, this is Maurice Smith. He's the world champion K1 fighter. He's going to be fighting for the, uh, do you think of that as a guy who suffers from fear and has a problem with fear management? He's a professional fighter. Yeah. And if, the I, if I didn't, if I was putting him on a pedestal, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, and that's what most people do, right? We put our heroes on a pedestal. We don't realize that, that, you know, that hero has a gambling problem, a drinking problem, or he's been married four times. Like a lot of people don't understand. That's why that, uh, that article, you're not your selfie, right? And it's about, and it's a reminder. We need to get better 
at introspecting and better self-awareness because that's really going to guide us to find out what we want to do in life. Um, anyways, so here I am with Maurice and I'm failing and I'm really frustrated. I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I'm like, man, I want to break through this guy. And, um, and I, uh, I, and I look at him and I go, uh, I go, so, uh, you know, ready for the fight? He goes, yeah, as ready as you can be. I go, uh, Hey, let me ask you a question. I said, uh, this is important fight for you. He says, yeah, pretty important. And, uh, and I said, um, um, I said, you have kids, man. He said, yeah, I've got two. And, uh, I said, uh, you know, you're the, your dad, you're the supporter, right? He says, yeah. I said, you know, who Marvin Hagler is, he goes, yeah. I said, remember, remember, uh, the Hagler Simpson fight. And some of your listeners might not know what the hell I'm talking about here, but, but here's the point. Marvin Hagler was a very dangerous Southpaw. And uh, nobody wanted to fight him. And when he finally got his, his shot to fight for the title, he won the title. And then he never lost for 10 years until he fought uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. But in an interview, um, they asked Hagler why he's so ferocious in his fights. And he said, because for 10 years, I lived on cans of peas and peanut butter sandwiches. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment with my kids feeding them peas out of a can. Peanut butter sandwiches because nobody would give me a shot. And now when I'm fighting for the guy, that guy who's looking across me at the ring, he's looking at me and he wants my belt. And I look at him and I go, that guy wants to take the food off my kid's plate. Wow. And I go, and so he went undefeated for 10 years. And I shared that story with Maurice. And he was looking down like this, like listening to me. And I tell him, I go, you ever hear this story? And he's like down. And as I started to do that, his head started to come up. His head started to come His head, I said, and Hagler said, that guy's trying to take the food off my kid's plate. And it comes back to, it's almost like, uh, um, you know, the big, the big thing that going around with, uh, you know, Simon, uh, is it Sinek or the Sinek? Sinek? Yeah. Yeah. What's your why, right? What's your why? Why are you fighting? Are you yeah. fighting just for a win or loss? And I, and so I didn't use the language there, but I, but I told him that story. And what I did is I triggered his why yeah. I got to go. I got to go fight for my kids. And he went out and he, and he won the fight. It was tough. I mean, he was like a hundred degree fever, but I feel like he went in the ring. But what I did is I, I, I just was able to massage his why a little bit. Yeah. You get him to tap in. If he found a, a why that made him cry, right? right. It's like that real right. deep, like burning, like this is too much pain. If I go here, if I don't go, if I, if I don't make this happen, it's that pain and pleasure thing that like Tony talks a lot about too, right? It's like right, right. pleasure pulls you and pain pushes you. They say that fear and, and pain and stress and all that is two and a half times more powerful than pleasure. Cause, cause like, let's say somebody goes, well, oh, if you did this, you could have a Lamborghini. Right. You'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. Like, yeah, cool. And, and maybe it will drive some people more than others. But if it was like, a gun to the head like if you don't do this you're gonna that's pain they're like nah I'm out I'm gonna make this happen because I don't wanna right. die so yeah right. it's, it's really helping others to shift their perspective to see where are the pain points how can we look at this in a different from a different angle it's it's an it's an interesting thing and it's an interesting reframe and it's where where this evolved from um, and I do you remember the no fear company yeah the, no fear yeah. t-shirts okay so so I grew up um feeling because I grew up in the sixties and I was afraid of getting beaten up. I was afraid of getting attacked. It was just something was, it was, that was my path as I was just, you know, I felt I had way too much fear than anybody, anybody else. So whether it was a gymnast a wrestler, the skier, I didn't know how to confront it and you just didn't talk about it. And still here we are 2017 
and still people don't know how to talk about fear. Number one fear in the world is public speaking. You know, you give me a mic and a stage with a thousand people and I'm like, I'm happy. I might as well be a rock star. <laughs> um, but, 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 but guess what? Every so often, I will start thinking about my speech or my performance a little bit. And here I am. I'm a specialist on fear management. My, that's my big thing. I can, I, can do a, a, I can talk about strategies and tactics to manage fear like for five hours without letting anybody go in for a break. And probably once or twice a year, depending on the venue and the event, uh, I will call my wife about 10 minutes before I'm about to go on stage, and this is how it goes. I go, I'm here like this, and I'm like, babe, hey, hey, honey, yeah, hey, listen, I'm freaking out. I forgot everything I know. I just went blank. And she goes, you know, you call me three times a year and you tell me. I go, no, but this time I really have stage fright. I really am freaking out. And she laughs. She goes, you're going to be great. Just start talking. And I go, you don't understand. I'm in a cold sweat this time. I've really, I'm sitting here confident. And then all of a sudden I just went blank. And then she goes, uh, you'll be fine. Just start talking. Uh, call me after your talk. And then I call after the talk. I go, no, we didn't tape it. It was my best talk ever, right? You know, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and so, you know, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, Mike Tyson used to throw up before every fight, but you wouldn't know it when he went out. Uh, you know, famous uh, famous stories about uh, I think Henry Fonda used to puke backstage before he'd go out on stage, and it's it's people deal with with fear. So I do a lot of work with special operations, special forces guys, and I remember being down at Fort Bragg, I got in a little bit early before the course, and one of the guys says, "Hey, you want to go jumping this weekend?" And I'm like, "Jumping? Like jumping up and down?" He goes, "No, like jumping out of an airplane." I said, "I did it twice. I'm good." He goes, what, are you afraid? I said, yeah, I don't like jumping out of an airplane. He goes, come on, I thought you are Mr. Fear Management. I said, I said, I did it twice just to do it as a fear management exercise. I'm good with it now. Now, if I had to do it, I can do it. But it's not something I go, like, to jump out of an airplane right now. So he smiles and he goes, that's cute. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, do you have any fear? He goes, no. I go, really? I said, then let me pack your parachute. And he goes, fuck <laughs> that. Right? <laughs> you know, and and... What was interesting, I said, you know, so what happens is there's a, there's a concept called stress inoculation. And so your body-mind undergoes this the more you do something. So, you know, your first talk on stage, your first podcast, your first article, what we've got to do is, is get stress inoculated. So we go, okay, this is the process. Um, and so people who do that, whether it's a you know, cop moving towards the danger, whether it's somebody jumping in an airplane, whether it's a public speaker, whether whatever it is, uh, you go through it. And if you do it, properly and you do your own AAR, your own after action. How did I do there? What can I do better? And it's like we were talking about before the show, the way your relationship with fear is spot on, that you look at it as a, not to be corny, a spiritual guide. But you go, this is sending me a message that I need to look at this more uh, carefully. And it and it's actually what, you know, for people who are watching this, you know, this doesn't really say fuck fear. It's an acronym for F, face your fear, understand fear, control or confront your fear. And if you face it, you understand it, you control it, you get to know fear. Because my my theory is this, that there is no such a thing as no fear, N-O, fear. That, that only people who have some sort of uh, dementia or brain damage don't have uh, a relationship with fear. We should all have uh, 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 fear. It's, it's how we define it. Am I anxious to do something? Am I excited? This is all fear, and fear doesn't have to be pejorative. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. Yeah. It's it, it's it's the excitement of evolving, um, and so uh, so that's where the acronym came from. Because we we ruminate too long. We sit we sit there, 
And you can think about any business you might have started. The day, what was the timeline from when you decided to start addicted to success to when you finally started launching shit? It might have been a year. It might have been months. It might have been three years where you finally pulled the trigger. What was the delay in anything? Mm-hmm. You know, for you know, it's fear. It's yeah. what if this is going to work? What if I'm going to suck? What if what if I lose it? You know. Yeah. So, so the whole fuck fear metaphor is just to as as a catalyst to. What do I need to do? I got an acronym for it, but but uh, that's really I really believe this, man. You know, I said this to you earlier. I really believe that that your relationship with fear, you being everybody listening to this show, your relationship with with fear is going to ultimately determine your success in anything. Mm, that's that's so damn true. It really is. Yeah, a few things that came up, and I love that yep. what you're sharing so far. This is amazing. Uh, is like you can't bypass fear. You have to go through it. Right? And that's like staring it in the face, Correct. right? And knowing it. Okay. Correct. Like you don't avoid it. You got to get to know it. Uh, Correct. Another, another thing that I've realized as well is that, you know, when I get up on stage, I still get the butterflies. I get my heart races. It reminds me that I'm a human being. I've, I've got really good at trusting myself. And I actually don't even like using slides anymore. I like to just get up and free flow from the top of my head. And I asked Love the crowd, it. I'm like, are you guys ready for some exclusive stuff right now? Because I, even right. I don't know what I'm going to say. And they're like, yeah, and right. they get excited. And it's great, it. right? Uh, and, and the thing as well is I think that like a lot of people get uh, fearful in that space uh, because they make it about them and not about serving others. And right. not thinking about what is the message or the result that I would love to you know, instill in the room. Uh, and what happens then is when we make it about ourselves, we may, we, 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 want to safeguard so much so our, our identity of who we are and and we we are in fear of others judging our identity and threatening it and us not living up to the identity that we're building for ourselves and the day that I decided that like I'm I'm open to the idea that my identity can continue to evolve mm-hmm. through any challenge that I'm facing and whenever I'm tested that was the day I let go of all that shit man and I get up and have fun with it you know, because you're if you're going through it anyway, you might as well be having fun, right? And with yeah. the business as well, that whole uh, like, oh, Joel, you know, how long did it take between the the year and the two years and three years? I'm getting faster and faster at moving through my goals because I'm becoming uh, more and more familiar with the fears around it, and I'm getting getting to know and creating a relationship with my fear. You know, and right. so I can move through it faster. It's that whole question of, oh, if you had a ten year vision, like, what would you need to do to get there? I also, I love that and I live in that, my 10-year vision, but I also challenge, well, how could I do that in six months? And it's funny right. when you write down, if you, were to, if you really had to pull it off in six months and you wrote down a, a strategy, a game plan, you'd find that the, the, you, that also is very highly likely that you can achieve it. It's just that you feared it and so you played smaller in your vision because well, you felt like the fear was kind yeah. of setting in. But you're also, you know, so I've never had a five-year or 10-year. When people ask me this all the time, you know, what's your projection for business? I go, I have no idea. I don't know how much money we made. I don't know how much money we lost. I just do shit. I'm more like what you said uh, with uh, no more slides. Like, I, I don't know, you know. And, you know, it's funny. You said something that, that reminded me. We got a, we got a, a, a law enforcement course going off in the East Coast this week. And before each course, I get on a call with my trainers. I've got a training team that travels the world helping me teach now. And I tell them, I go, you're now part of our mobile training team. I go, you know, something happened to you in the first class where you said, I want to work for this guy. I want to work for this company. I want to make the world safer. Mm. 
I go, do you know what it is? And they go, yeah. I go, and it's different for each person. It's a certain drill. It's a certain principle. It's a certain, you know. And so you talk about making it about them. When I tell people, like one of the maiden slides in our train the trainer course is is um, is telling people, don't show your students what they what you can do. Show them what they can do. Don't show your students what you can do. Show them what they can do. So the paradigm is always about the audience. And and in our trainer development, I tell all of my instructors, if your audience doesn't get it, it's your fault. You need to make sure that that they get it. And the the question we ask, and you triggered this when when you when you said that is is so this guy uh, uh, Ben, who's teaching the course this week, on Sunday I said to him, Ben, you're a safer police officer because of our training, right? What was it that made you realize that this was a missing link in training? Because we teach uh, principle-based, brain-based learning about self-awareness and situational awareness, understanding a fear spike, how to manage your fear, and then what functional movement is. Is that moving away or towards the danger? All of those principles can be applied to business, starting a new business, uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, asking someone to marry you, asking somebody to divorce you, whatever it is. It's still awareness, fear spike, manage your fear, functional movement, right? It's four stages that apply to everything. And I tell, I said, Ben, I want you to make sure that this class leaves with the same epiphanies and light bulb moments that you had in your first class. I want them to leave there going, I'm safer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's always intuitively about this. Our, our courses and programs aren't about us. It's always about them and the audience. So I really appreciated what, what you said there. Um, and there was one other thing you said that was, that was uh, uh, super cool. Oh, the, yeah, the 10-year, six-month. And, and, and that is a lot of times what we do is we allow um, – social constructs to determine what we can do and what we can't do. You can't do this because you're a woman. You're just, this will take you three years to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we just, that paradigm becomes our, our box that we're in. Right. And, and you just got to go for it. But what stops people from going for it? Right. At the end of the day, everything, we, everything comes back to, we spin it, you peel that onion at the end of the day, I go, well, why didn't you do that? At the end of the day, it's going to come down to fear. Yeah. And the, yeah. and the faster you recognize that, the, the, the faster you accelerate through every decision. Yeah. Amen, brother. Yeah, yeah. We're really incredible uh, storytellers. Like we're, we're actually very creative and imaginative. <laughs> and we create this BS story that stops us from yep. getting through the, you know, the challenges in our life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just saw it was, I was in a store. I was just in Vegas with the wife. And there was a, a, a store with a T-shirt uh, had uh, uh, three playing words on the word rationalize, and then it was so it was, it was rationalize spelled correctly, mm-hmm. uh, and then it was rationalize with a, the rational lies L I E S, and then it was um, uh, rationalize E Y E S. Right? It was just it was kind of a cool uh, it was a cool thing. Rationalize, yeah. rationalize, and rationalize. On the shirt, but that's what it is. Is right, you know. We tell that that the cognitive dissonance. We tell ourselves a story. You know, it, it's just not meant to be, right? And and that's and that's how we manage our fear. Uh, and it's not. For, it, listen, it's not for everybody. Not everybody. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I love you know some of the message that uh, that uh, Gary Vaynerchuk puts out about you know not everyone can be an entrepreneur just because you want to be right. Mike Rowe. I don't know if you've heard it, you know any of his talks. Like, not everyone can be a rock star. Stop telling. Everybody, you can be anything you want in your life. It's a really interesting paradigm to tell people because that juxtaposition between, you know, because at the end of the day, 
whether you're the best taxi driver in the world or, and I remember doing this where I got into a cab and this, it was decorated and had all sorts of stuff. And this guy was like, you know, it was like, it was his stage and he was so happy. And I remember, um, at first being annoyed because I was kind of like late for a meeting or something. And how you doing, man? A good day. No, no, no. And I'm like, dude, just like, you know, I, in my head, I'm going dude, just drive me to the thing. I don't really want to have this. And, and then I realized very quickly that this guy was happier than I was, mm. you know, like he was just, he had made this his castle and, and, and that was his stage and that was his show. And I just realized that, that, you know, and that was that self-awareness of, you know, you can't judge, you can't judge people that he had managed his fear and now he was a success for him. It's tricky. I'm, sure. you know, it is, um, um, I think, uh, something else that you said that made me think about this idea of, of continually reinventing yourself. How do you continue to evolve? How do you continue to grow? And, um, and that's super cool. And that's, that's, that's an important lesson for everybody is to, you know, you know, be better than you were yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was on a call uh, yesterday with a group. I was doing a group coaching call and one of the guys was like, um, you know, sometimes I get in my own head about the content I put out and I'm like, oh, this isn't my best stuff. And I said, mate, it's never going to be your best stuff because you're always going right. to make better, right? right. Like right. maybe some days you're not making better than you usually do, but you're going to continue to improve. And I think there's this like... Um, we live in a world of like right here, right now. I want this. It's like, you know, like get it to me. I want to jet fast, right? Uh, and right. this world of impatience. And you you said before that like you you believe that not everybody is meant for certain things, which, amen, I believe that too. Uh, but I think that also uh, there's a difference between wanting and deserving. You okay. might want this, want this, but do you deserve it? Have you worked right. for it? Have you created clarity around that? Have you really gone in on yourself and are self-aware of your strengths and your weaknesses? And are you are you being resourceful enough to deserve that thing that you want? And we live yeah. in a society where there's a lot of wants and not enough deserve. Yeah, I dig that. That's a nice reframe. Yeah. Yeah. No. Super. And, you know, and it, and you know when you're uh, just uh, piggybacking what you said about your best stuff. It's it's uh, it, that comes back to what you said about being on stage about your identity, right? Like if, as long as you were as long as you were authentic and passionate, um, then it's I, I do this talk and you know, when we do a, we do this block on performance psychology, where I tell people the whole notion of peak performance is depressing, because if you, because if I say to you, Joel, you just peaked today. This is your best interview. If that was true, if that was true then how do you do tomorrow's interview, right? Like, holy shit, I peaked yesterday. Like, I, that's going to suck. And so I, <laughs> right, think about that, right? So what I, what I and that's where I, I came, I coined the concept like 20, 30 years ago, performance psychology, performance enhancement. And it, what I made was this distinction between capacity and potential. Potential is what you'd like to be able to do. Capacity is actually what you can do. You could only work in with your capacity. So if I look at you and go, that was a good job yesterday, but your potential is over here, that means you continually need to fail until you get to your potential. And so we'll, with a lot of the athletes I work with, I have them reframe. I go, listen, you're only as good as you are today. And you need to set your own world record every day. As you get older as an athlete, some of your skills are going to diminish. Mm. And so you can be depressed that you don't have the explosiveness that you had when you were 30 because now you're a 50-year-old athlete. And that'll be depressing. Or you can go, holy shit, I'm – an amazing shape for 50 
right? And and so always always keeping the barometer and the sails in line with the wind, you know, as that metaphor goes, is this is who I am right now. And as long as, you know, when you, you know, if I were on that call yesterday and someone went, ah, man, I wasn't at my best, I didn't do that. If you were disingenuous, if you were manipulative, if you were deceitful, that sucked and that's wrong. But um, as long as you were, you were there and you were giving an authentic answer, it was your capacity that day and that's a PR. That's, a, you know, that's, that's, that's all you can do. Yeah. Different way to look at it. Yeah, amen. And, you know, you've been in this game for over three decades now, right? So you've seen mm. a lot. You've, you've put in the work. You've been sharpening the sword for many years. I personally, when I'm in, in this, in the business world, and just when I think I know what I think I know, I realize that I don't know what I thought I did, and there's even more. Right, <laughs> right, right. It's, it's like, the, and that's the thing about life, man, is like we're never going to master this, and it's being okay with that, right? I, I think that it's also... Um, going to the to like the wanting deserving the peak performance and everything that you were talking about before i think that a lot of people want these certain things but they're not the they don't have the container or the space to hold it it's that classic thing of you know the the lotto winner that has multi-millions but their their financial blueprint in their mind with their mindset can't hold that that they sabotage and let it go right so uh, that's why like so many people are in a rush for the things that they think they can hold but they can't they they overflow and lose it you know right yeah, so, tactical patience is uh, tactical patience is is the is the hardest thing because you know you've you've got to almost be romantic about it and say you know this will this will happen when it's supposed to you know and that's that's it, you know no control you, people hate it when yeah. they can't control things <laughs> yeah and you and and it's uh, it's ironic it's a cliche because it's a cliche right it's like you know to always to try and look at that silver lining to something and you know people hate that shit but you know as i've gotten older there have been things that have unraveled and gone south really fast and it's not that i believe in this or that and karma and all of that but the moment i stop and i look at something and i go okay this wasn't supposed to happen because it didn't happen because if it was supposed to happen it would have happened so what am i going to do with what happened right yeah. And, uh, you know, instead of just panicking going, because now you've got literally that, again, another cliche, all your eggs in that one basket. And that could be, you know, it's, 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 it's the business deal. It's the joke you were trying to tell. It's the, the book you were trying to pitch. Um, and you got to believe in your talent and you got to believe in your come back to Simon's thing. Your, what's your why? If you're, you know, in fact, I had a, I had a talk this morning with part of my team and, and I said to them, if, you, if you're in the self-defense space to try and make money, you know, if you're if you're in there trying to make money, you're gonna bomb. You know, you've got to be there because you want to help people. You want to make the world safer, and uh, and it'll grow from there. That's contagious. You know, people people will, will dig that. But um, uh, it comes back to you know what you just said is is people have this idea in their head of what success looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but they but they don't have the capacity, you know. They think they're on dial up, but they're really a smoke signal, right? And they're, yeah, you know, they're, they're 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 not on dial up. They, they they think they're on a on a on a on the cat five line. Is that what it's called? The yeah, the, uh, the big one. But they're really dial up. I screwed I screwed that up. They think they're on a <laughs> they, they think they're on fiber optics, but they're on you know some sort of dial up, and they just yeah. can't handle they can't handle the bandwidth, you know, yeah. the, the, the the pace of the information and the responsibility. 
So true, you so know? true. So, so. Tony, I wanted to ask real quick because I know that before this call, you mentioned that you had lost multi-millions in one day. Mm-hmm. So how was that experience for you? Because we can learn a lot from others' failures and, and, and yeah. mistakes and lessons as well. So Yeah, it's yeah. funny. So one of the things, uh, so I ran a $12 million company in 2010. I uh, had 12 employees that year. Um, we were doing we were doing some you know big cool uh, big cool stuff, and uh, my COO did a deal behind my back uh, with uh, another partner, and um, I lost um, the entire company, like literally from a Friday to a Monday. Uh, it was just a corporate takeover. Uh, I had to hire a lawyer. It was awful, and I went from you know again being the ceo and the founder of a company where where on friday and then monday it was nothing i was like not looking for a job because i was still you know i'm the guy right yeah. uh so you know blower tactical was still me and i had that confidence and everything but but it was it was horrifying because i went from like like a, a serious business a security consulting business do nothing on Monday, and I had to rebuild, and I had to reinvent. And um, what was interesting is I began in. So we do we do all sorts of different consultations, and some of the stuff is like working with with uh, businesses on uh, on fear management, whether it's sales fear, whether it's travel fear, whether it's traveler safety, expatriates moving, and and uh, and one of the guys one of the guys called me up and, and said to me. Uh, so what, what are some of the topics you can do? And I said as a joke, because I was just going through this, I said, I can tell you how one of the world's you know, leading self-defense authorities failed to use the simple protocols of self-defense, detect, defuse, defend, detect and avoid, defuse and de-escalate, and if push comes to shove, defend yourself. The simple uh, tactical trinity failed to use it to protect his company. So you know, he goes, that sounds really interesting. Who is that? I go, me. <laughs> I go, you know, because <laughs> he's like, what? And so they actually flew me out to Colorado at this this big uh, entrepreneur function, and I did two things. It was two days. One was because originally they called me just about personal safety, business people who travel a lot, just improving their situational awareness and helping them understand, you know, because you need to manage fear in a negotiation. You need to manage fear, you know, whatever you do, right? And so that was the original interest. But then I said, hey, you know, what about this? And uh, it was super cool. I spent a day talking about how my own cognitive distance. So get this, every victim of violence, every single victim of violence who lived to tell the tale said they had a bad feeling before the attack. That's like 100%, right? Not 90, not 70, not 80, wow. whatever. Interesting. And so, so we tell people, listen, you, you, your body at an intuitive and instinctive level picks up danger. And if, and if you've had some bad business dealings, I guarantee someone around you said, I didn't like it, that guy before. And you're like, why didn't you tell me? Or, or something happened, you meant I knew that guy was a problem when we, but your, our, yours, mine, whomever's fixation on the success clouds our intuitive judgment in the process. Our fixation on the success can mess up our strategic implementation of the process during the process and so and so what I did there were a couple of signs that was weird and I like I remember saying to the wife and a couple of people hey did you notice like Nick did this and that was weird she goes yeah I don't really like him and all that and I go 
it was weird. They made me, they re-signed this and they told me it was something to do with taxes. And like, I knew it was off, but I didn't want to investigate it because my fear meant that I would maybe, I was, I just moved to the States. I had a million dollar house. I was had my green card. I was all this, my fear of finding out that there was something dirty going on here would compromise the bigger picture dream. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it was, it was, uh, but I can tell everybody listening to this, and this was the lesson that I learned and never again. And so I can share this with you that if you have a bad feeling about anything, always choose safety. Now listen to this. If you got a, if you got a problem with your plumbing, you're going to call a plumber. If your roof has a leak, you're going to call a roof specialist. If your car breaks down, you're going to drive to, there's only one person that you can rely on when it's a problem with your intuition, your instinct, and that's you. You can't outsource your safety, as a buddy of mine said in a, in a mother podcast. You know, he said, he's listening to me, he says, people outsource their safety. In other words, we, we say to ourselves, I don't believe this is happening to me, and then we look around for somebody to come save us. And in business and relationships, only we can save ourselves. Um, I have a tattoo on my arm. I don't know if you can see, if you can read what that says. Uh, says love you're the hero, the hero in your story or you're the hero you're, in your own story. you're the hero in your story yeah and um and uh and what that was is it was just a reminder every time i look down or if you read it so the i saw it online it said i'm the hero in my story and i thought that was selfish i you know, ironically you know as a as a as a motivational speaker or whatever it is we do we try to inspire people fire them up and uh but I remember seeing that and thinking that's kind of a cool tattoo. I'm the hero of my story. But I said that was really selfish. Like there's a lot of things I couldn't accomplish without my wife, without my kids. Um, and so I wanted, so I switched it around so that if you read it, it spoke to you. And if I read it, it spoke to me. And the reminder was, dude, like right now you're feeling down, you're scared, you just lost your business. You're writing a movie. What does the hero do? The hero picks up his shit and reinvents some stuff. And he goes, what's the lesson? And he shares that with his kids and he shares that with his new business partners. And then he reminds himself. And, and, and so the correlate to what I've been doing for 36 years in self-defense is every victim of violence had a bad feeling. And most of them talk themselves out of facing their fear and they move, they, they just myopically stay on the course that they're on and invariably get attacked because they're in a bubble. And so, uh, I just, we tell people hashtag choose safety, that there is no downside to choosing safety, that if you thought somebody was stealing from you, if you, like if you said to me, if we got to know each other better and we're hanging out in Perth and, and you say to me, hey man, um, I hope this doesn't come across wrong, but I'm missing my watch. It was on the table here and you're the only new guy here. So I got to ask you, did you take my watch? If I didn't steal it, I would be offended, but my body language would be Joel, dude, are you serious, man? Are you how, how could you like you would if I got angry at you, then maybe I did steal it, right? There'd be something yeah. like and, and and this is kind of like weird and, and a weird tangent, but the idea here is to tell people that if you choose safety instead of worrying about thing and something, instead of internalizing and instead of like it it festering in your mind, you clear it right away. So you choose safety in business, you choose safety in life. If you find out that there was nothing to worry about, the true relationship would be, no, man, like I didn't do that. I, I, yeah, it's kind of weird that you did that. Let me help you look for it. 
right? And we're still we're still friends. And afterwards, you find it. It was in you know in another drawer or pocket, and we laugh. And then you end up if you're a good guy, you'll go, hey, sorry, man, and I just you're new, so I don't know, you know. And it's a stupid example, but it's like, like, like that's how simple it was. I was afraid to go to two people who went, you did these three things, and that was weird. And I need you to explain to me why we had to redo that and move the you know this over here and do that. And I'd have seen them start to sweat and freak out and I'd, I'd, have, I'd have pulled the plug sooner and I'd have been in control, you know, mm. uh, very, very valuable think, lesson. You, yeah. I, I think, um, a lot of people are too afraid to express themselves too, right? Like they, right. they in fear of like being judged or, uh, that it may affect a friendship or, or whatever if, it is. And at the end of the day, if, if the friendship's strong enough, it can hold that, right. you know? Right. Right. Ab- absolutely. Like, like, one of the questions we ask in our in our no fear seminar uh, right off the bat we tell people how many of you return food that is not cooked the way you ordered it without fail mm. and in a, in a room of 50 people there'll be maybe one or two or three i go 47 of you don't why answer like let's have fun why and people say well i'm afraid someone's going to spit in it or do something and i go that's all fear. First of all, why are you eating in a restaurant where you think people might spit in your food, right? <laughs> um, and and it is just a funny thing how fear again it comes back to how fear governs everything we do. When if I say to you, well, why didn't you say that to that guy? Oh man, I didn't want to offend him, you know. But that's fear. Why didn't you send your food back? That's fear. Why didn't you ask her to marry you? That's fear. You know, why didn't you invest in that? That's fear. Um, and it doesn't mean you're right or wrong. But what I tell people, you know, there's an old maxim that, you know, um, uh, that a, uh, uh, a coward dies a thousand deaths, a hero dies but once. And I never understood that. I don't know, have you ever heard that one? Yeah, I have. And it's, that's and, deep. And it, yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. And so I remember like hearing it as a youngster going, what does that even mean? A coward dies a thousand deaths, a hero dies but once. And what it means is everything we're talking about, that the, the coward um, is the person that, like, for example... Uh, if you ask women, how many women are afraid to park in an underground parking lot? A lot of them will say they are. I go, why? They're worried about getting attacked. So every time you drive by, if you're late for a meeting or, or late for a movie or late for dinner or whatever it is, and you can't find parking, every time you drive by that parking lot, you think about maybe getting attacked if you go in there. That's the thousand deaths. The hero goes, I got to face my fear, I'm going to park in there. And there are ways to circumvent that. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't know if we can see on the board here. And I've got a, I've got a, lot, of, a lot of stuff written up here. I'm going to see what I can, what I can erase. Um, I ask people really, really quick, do something with you, Joel. What is the opposite of courage? Real quick, what comes to mind? The opposite of courage. Fear. Okay. So fear is an emotion, and and and, and courage is more of a uh, like a, an act. Yeah, and yeah. what most when most people in, in when I say what's the opposite of courage, someone always calls out cowardice. Yeah. Right. And just 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 like you know, if you're not courageous, you must be a coward. And and I tell people that's a horrible thing. That's part of our society's conditioning. Like, and that's what I don't want for the men and women listening uh, to your show. That shit, this fear stuff is big, and Joel's digging it, and this guy Blower was talking about it. But I'm afraid to to start my podcast. I'm afraid to start that. I must be a coward. Why am I such a chicken shit? And you end up beating yourself up. And what that does is it makes it even harder because it's impacting your self confidence, your self worth, your yeah. self esteem. 
So what I tell people is the opposite of courage um, isn't cowardice. There are very few cowards, very, very few true cowards. The opposite of courage, I don't know if you can see that, is discourage. Discourage. With a hyphen. Yeah. It's it's when our brain. You said earlier. What did you say? You said we're amazing storytellers. Yeah. And, and and the amazing story can lead you to greatness, but it can also lead you to a miserable life inside a little a little jar of fear, where you go, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. Or no, this is gonna fail. And so that is this story here. That the opposite of everyone's courage is when they discourage themselves by telling them their story of failure. They forget that they're writing the script, that they're not the hero in their story. And this is so, I got goosebumps right now, and I've been teaching this for 15 years, right? That, that, and it's so profound, you know, you're on that empty whiteboard, you write the word courage, give me, an, give me some opposites. Everyone, a bunch of people say fear, somebody finally says cowardice, I go, you know, if that's what we think when we don't do what we have to do, it impacts our self-esteem immediately, even if it's happening unconsciously. It just makes it harder to practice success when we practice failure. Yeah. It, it's all it's all a practice. It's that conditioning. Like the more you get into the habit of facing your fear, it's, it's like getting up on stage. Yeah, it's going to be there. It's always going to be there. But if you can like channel it into some excitement that I'm going to grow right. from this, I'm going to like, there's going to be some impact from this. And I'm, I know that 90, I always think this, man. I always think like 90% or 95% of the world is not going to do this. And if I continue to do this, it just keeps putting me in a, a, another notch above, like you know, right. the rest in the world to be able to like really lead. Because I want to be a leader, man. That's that's right. my thing. I am a leader, and I'm just going to continue to grow into a stronger leader if I continue to push myself like that. Well, so, one of the you know. one of the things that you did is is intuitively. I don't know if you had a mentor that did it, or if you just figured it out on your own. Is you intuitively redefined your relationship with fear, and that's and that's what we try to cathartically accelerate by telling people that you're. That if you've got an adrenaline dump before you get on stage, that that is that is either going to hold you back or accelerate you. But if you're based on your definition of it, yeah. So so if your definition is man, this means I'm fucking fired up and I'm excited to go. Yeah. Then you know then you come running out on there, going, hey, you know, you guys ready for some exclusive content? Because yeah. I have no idea what I'm going to say. I love that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. There you go. And I also like I have my spiritual practice. I pray to God, and like that kind of feels like it takes the weight off my shoulders, to be honest. Because I'm like, come through sure. me, and and you know, uh, deliver the message that uh, help me to deliver the message that needs to be here today. Like that's as simple as that, man. It's it's not putting it all on yourself. Uh, if you're spiritual, you know, you could go that route. Uh, but yeah, I I, uh, I would say that at the end of the day, man. I, I, I visualize a lot. So I visualize yep. accelerating through that experience, but having fun while I'm doing it. Cause I'm thinking also of the, the person that I am becoming. And I see that I vis visualize who I am and what I need to go through to get there. And I just feel like this is just another, it's part of the work, man. It's part of the craft. It's just like, you, it's something you have to do. There's no avoiding it. If, yep. I, if that's where I want to be, I have to do that. And so I accept it. And I think a lot of people don't surrender to the fact that there's going to be work involved. Like they think everything is going to be easy and it's just, it's bullshit. Yeah. No, they got to do, I love the word craft. And, you know, I, mean, I tell people, you got to work your craft. You got to own your craft. Well, you've been you doing it for like th more than three decades, man. So like you're in it. <laughs> 36 years. It's crazy. And it's, it's yeah. funny. I, 
I was on a call last week or a couple of weeks ago, and I, I said to, uh, I use, uh, I don't know if you heard of uh, the company Zoom. I have like, I can have like, uh, it's a voice over internet protocol, but it's like a high yeah, def yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like Skype, but yeah. it's super, it's super I cool. And, um, and so um, I've got like a whole bunch of my team on there, and I'm looking at them, I'm going to fire them up, and I say, listen, I, this occurred to me this morning, I'm the busiest I've ever been the most passionate I've ever been, and also the oldest I've ever been as of today. Right? It, I was making fun. But, but the idea is like, like you know, it's, it's, it's all those that continually to work, work your craft. I, I want to be better tomorrow and, uh, at, at whatever I do. At the same time, I recognize, you know, my body doesn't move the same way it did 20 years ago. How do I, how do I, so it's always that capacity potential thing. But, it's it's redefining stuff so it's 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 that same you know uh performance uh filter and understanding you know we use uh um, in our we, we've got this uh, flow chart called the neural circuitry of fear mm-hmm. and uh and in it we talk about we use two acronyms for fear false expectations appearing real and false evidence appearing real mm-hmm. and um in false evidence, I see something, it triggers a negative story in my brain, I start telling myself the bullshit, and, and then I'm demotivated. False expectations is the internal story. And I just tell people, when you feel fear, and you get the adrenaline dump, you feel the you know sweaty palms, butterflies in your stomach, whatever it is, just ask yourself, you know, is that a false expectation? Is it a, a false evidence? And if it's not, then what is fear trying to tell you? Is you know what is is there a story in there? Is there a message in there? And what you're actually doing is facing it, understanding it, and confronting it. And it yeah. comes back to the comes back to the acronym. So, oh yeah, oh yeah. Kind of, and, and then there was that's the serendipity of it because like like this shirt is is like six months old, right? You know, uh, as far as a, as far as a concept. But this face, understand, control is something that you know we've been teaching forever. I just never looked at it and went, oh shit, that's a cool acronym. That makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've got a, a quote. I said it in an interview a long time ago. Somebody quoted it, made a picture quote, and it's kind of floating all over the net. And it, and I said, you know, if you doubted your fears instead of doubting your dreams, imagine how much in life you'd accomplish. Oh wow, beautiful! And it's that's it's, beautiful. It's like just doubt your fears, man. Like like see that it's there and go. I'm doubting you. I, I'm not. I'm not placing bets on you. I'm placing bets on my dreams because that's bigger dude, than you. Dude, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Have you seen? Uh, I don't know if you've been to my Instagram, but. Um, on my Instagram, you're gonna you're gonna love this. On my Instagram, check this out. It's it's maybe we're like uh, uh, brothers from another mother. Uh, can can you can I you? Uh, I believe we are all that? connected, man. Well, I can't read that. I think that it, like it's a bit too small to read. Yeah, I can't read. You're gonna have to read it out. Okay. It says, "If you didn't fear fear, what would you do?" Ah, yes. If you didn't fear fear, what would you do? Good question. Um, you know, but, but but to me, that's that's a companion to if you doubted your fears as much as you doubted your dreams, yeah. Because it's the fear of fear that prevents us from doing something. It is like if I go, hey, dude, go punch that guy in the face. I can't believe you just let him do that. <laughs> no, you know, I might get arrested. He might kill me. He might, you know, if we didn't fear fear, what would we do? And I'm not trying to incite violence. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that uh, it's it's the it's the stop. That's what that's what just crushes everybody. For is sure. focusing on their fears, For sure. which are their their doubts. It's all all connected. I dig yeah. it. Yeah, cool. I, I one of my friends said something to me a long time ago. It was actually really interesting. Uh, she said, 
fear is like eating a death sandwich she's like it's like oh wow bite by bite by bite like you're going through it and she said and like that part of you dies and then you regrow into the the next you go into the next level you become that like even higher self you right know? so i thought that was pretty interesting pretty interesting. that's pretty deep that's pretty deep. Philosophical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but yeah, yeah. T- Tony, Tony, mate, it's been awesome hanging out with you on this call. I wish we could talk forever. Uh, but I've got a number of other interviews I need to jump on for today. Go do it. Uh, but look, man, thanks a million for jumping on and, and serving and sharing your advice and your stories and your lessons with the Addicted to Success community. I'm sure they got nothing but gems and value from this. And uh, where can they reach out to you at? Like, are you online with uh, any courses or anything? Have you got any projects going on at the moment? Yeah, I mean, uh, if they just go to Blower Spear, uh, Spear is the name of my I, our self defense pro, uh, process. Uh, so if they just Google TonyBlower.com or Blower Spear, uh, B L A U E R Spear, one word, uh, they'll see. We got courses all over the world. We got affiliates all over the world. There's you know uh, all sorts of contact information, videos. They can dig in a little bit more, and and whether it's for self defense or mindset or fear management, there's there's a ton of content that, online. Love it, mate. Love it. Thanks a million, mate. So we always end these interviews with one last question, and the question is: If you were to deliver your last thirty second speech to the world, yeah, what would that last thirty seconds sound like? Wow. That's. <laughs> do I have thirty seconds to think about it? Um, it it would it would come down to you know just if you didn't fear fear what would you do man just everything that I have learned in my life and everything that I've tried to pass on to my children to my wife to my my friends is just that that fear throttles everything we do and the the life you want to live is on the other side of your fear confront it. <laughs> 